everybody. What is usually a quiet couple of summer months have been anything but for sale, and as such, we've brought the podcast back together to recap everything that's happened for the Sharks since the season ended. My name is Lewis, and welcome back inside the Shark Tank. It isn't quite live from St Albans like last time, but I'm pleased to say I'm joined by my co-hosts, Alex and James. Alex, how's your summer been so far? It's been lovely, thanks, mate. Although I was glad to see the rugby championship back the other week, so I've been feeling a bit rugby starved. How's yours? Exactly the same. It's been very quiet without any proper rugby on show, uh, so it's great to have the rugby championship back, and obviously, hopefully, the uh, the season will start to to kick on as we head towards September in the World Cup. James, how's your summer been? Yeah, all right, mate. I think there's been a few bits of sale news to to keep us going. I think it's about time that we got back together to discuss these things absolutely but as always it's still it's summer but we still want your opinions on all things sell sharks and before we go through uh, the bevy of sell news that's come through over the last couple of weeks we put out a tweet this morning asking for you the listener to share your reviews and opinions on sales summer so far and we picked out a couple of the best so Luke at Jonesy44 next title contenders Dan Thomason Twickenham in June, Isaac Cornwell, Red Pass Breakthrough Season, Max Boyle, Back Row Oversubscribed, Duncan Simpson, Here We Come, Richard Higgs, Strauss Sensible Decision, Robin S, Rotation Enabling Success, Gareth, Very Quietly Optimistic, and finally Van Cannonball, Shark Buck Mega Mix. So we've got a lot to go through news-wise, so let's start with probably the biggest news of the summer so far. At the beginning of July, Sale confirmed that James O'Connor had been released from his contract a year early to sign a new deal with Rugby Australia. That deal confirms O'Connor's eligibility for the Wallabies World Cup squad and it has since been announced he'll play with Queensland Reds in Super Rugby for the 2020 and 2021 seasons. James, fair to say we never saw the best of O'Connor at Sale? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, he had flashes of excellence. But you can't really put your finger on one game where he made the difference between winning and losing. And I think, you know, looking at our first choice backline, you're always looking for a way to Sam, get Sam James in. Now, it does leave us a little bit of short because we know that the fitness of Van Rensburg is, is you know, questionable or more. But, you know, I'd say that probably for the money that O'Connor has been on, uh, but this is actually a good result all round. You know, he's definitely turned his life around, as so many players do at Sale. He's performed well. He's got himself fit after a lot of injury concerns. He looks like he's made a permanent move into the centre, which I think stands him in good stead, not just for this World Cup, but potentially for 2023 as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's a shame that we didn't get to see the best of him. I do think he's still had some really good games for us and at times you sort of saw that international quality come through um, and I think he's matured as a player massively at sale and it's the right decision to sort of go you know you want to go back to Australia you want to play in the World Cup you don't want a player like O'Connor who's not necessarily you know it's not the be all and end all of our season if we lose O'Connor um, but you don't want him there unhappy because that's exactly how you end up with you know the yard situation at Harlequins of disrupting the team so I think it's the right decision it not only sort of creates a bit of goodwill with O'Connor and he'll probably go back to Australia and you know say what a good club good bunch of blokes but also it just shows any other player that you know you can come to us you can turn your career around and if you've got massive international ambitions a la Hayley Anderson O'Connor 
Um, we, we, we won't stand in the way, and that's what's kept the clerk here. So as much as, you know, it's a shame that we haven't seen the best of him, I think it's the right thing for the player. It's not necessarily the complete right thing for the club, but I do think it's a very sensible decision. And it's nice to have some sort of sale news where you can sort of be proud and go, yeah, we are mm. a club, we're standing up for the players, and, you know, we're letting them, you know, make the most of their ultimately very short careers. And the other bonus is that we've got a load of cash freed up in the salary cap, which you then... You know, pump into other positions. Yeah, and we'll come on come on to the salary cap in a little bit, but I think it's fair to say with O'Connor that um, it's disappointing to see him go, especially because we never really saw him at his absolute best for Sale, and we did see him rounding into a bit of form towards the end of his uh, time at Sale. Um, but fair play to the club for letting a player like O'Connor fulfil his international ambitions. Um, bit surprising actually that. Uh, he's left with immediate effects because obviously Nick White-Exeter uh, has done something similar, um, but he is going to play out one last year at Exeter before joining um, a Super Rugby team uh, the following season. Um, but I think it's you have to take your hat off to sale and say, you know, you've recognised that O'Connor wants to play for the Wallabies in this World Cup and, and going back to Australia now gives him the best chance of doing it. And I think it's hard not to um, applaud the club um, for, for facilitating that move for, for O'Connor. I also think there's a sort of there's a point where if he gets the required, I don't know how far he is off caps to not oh. have to play in Australia. I think he's got but, 44 and you need 60, but I'm yeah, not 100% so on if that. He's 16 off, if he goes back to Arsenal place for a couple of years, and then you know in two years' time we need a centre and he wants to come back, then he's probably going to have enough caps that he doesn't have to play in Australia to play for the Wallabies. So you know it's that, that's very unlikely, but I'm just you know that it does open up that option for us to sort of. As I say, creating that goodwill when he's going away means you can always it always comes back round, doesn't it? Absolutely. So James, can you sum up James O'Connor's career at Sale? Yeah, joined as a ten, failed experiment, um, surprised everybody by not moving back into the back three, ended up showing some really excellent skills, passing on some great knowledge I'd imagine to our youngsters coming through in that position. Um, leaves with his head held high an enhanced personal brand and now leaves to be an advocate for our club down in the Southern Hemisphere and hopefully representing his country at the World Cup so I think that shows that it was a, a, a journey a bit of a roller coaster, but it's ended in a pretty good destination for all parties Absolutely and I love that idea about enhancing your personal brand at sale very, uh, very on point so losing James O'Connor was certainly a blow however that blow was softened somewhat by news later that very same day that Sale had signed England international Mark Wilson from Newcastle Falcons. Wilson is signed for the entirety of the 2019-20 season on loan, following the Falcons' relegation to the Championship, and will join up with the squad following this year's World Cup in Japan, should he be selected. So Alex, uh, a major signal of intent uh, for signing Mark Wilson, or astute squad management? Um, neither, actually. I think it is it's a convenient move for us because it does give us, you know, that, that depth in the back row that we we probably want in order to compete, especially towards the end of the season. Um, you look at the way John Ross was at the end of last season, um, and I think we we we're still not quite there. We've got a ridiculous back row, but I still think it's it's a benefit. I also think Wilson had to come and play in the Premiership, and I don't think he was very willing to go anywhere too far away. 
Um, you know, he's a Cumbria lad, he's got his family up there, he's still very close to them in Newcastle. So coming to Sale, I think, you know, if he doesn't come to Sale, he's got to go down to Coventry and play for Wasps, that's his, his next option. Um, or go up north and play in Pro 14. And I think it, it was sort of almost his, his, I think it was definitely his preferred option his only option based on the parameters he sort of set himself but I think it's absolutely brilliant for us he's a great bloke it sort of fosters that idea of this northern alliance rugby between us and Falcons and you know bringing Leeds into that as well I like the sort of you know we're not taking him off Newcastle we're just loaning him for the season I, I think it's a really really positive move and yeah it's brilliant for Scott management and it gives us some real international quality to add to that. It gives us another England player, CQP. There's loads of benefits to it, but I do also think it wasn't done because of those benefits. I think it was done because it was what Wilson wanted, and we were more than happy to do it. James, what impact do you think Wilson will make for sale in the coming season, knowing that he's likely to be a part of the England squads for the World Cup uh, and potentially the Six Nations afterwards? Well, most teams get a real boost, don't they, when their internationals come back. You know, our guys are in pre-season now. They're going to be really excited about the start of the season. When you get that fresh, fresh injection, hopefully from a winning uh, World Cup side coming back, you know, that's going to give us that extra boost again and really feeling like quality's coming into the squad. So if we're well positioned when that happens, you know, that could really kick us on into what is a, a tougher second half of the season and we'll do that but I think you know what, what, what his real impact is going to be around leadership he's got lots of leadership experience but also his commitment and his professionalism both on the training paddock and on the pitch you know and in terms of setting the standard you know you look at people like John O'Ross you know you look at people like Tom Curry you know they're going to be setting the standard for the level of commitment that is required to be a successful professional rugby player and part of a successful rugby playing team and if we're serious about being in the top four, then there's no pissing about, basically. And I think he'll be a really important part of that. I think when he was signed, it was probably because we thought the Dupriers would be going back um, in the middle of January. And it, it worked out as it happens. We probably are, you know, still overstocked by one, even with uh, Strauss having left. But, you know, I think for one season, it's a good problem to have. Uh, Ross is coming off the back of injury. He's not yet in pre-season. We don't know where he's at. And Tom Curry and, and Wilson... Um, are going to have to be in, in long periods of rest. You know, even when they first come back in November, they're going to might have to rest for a few weeks. Then they're back off for Six Nations. So, you know, enables us to, to rotate, which is one of the three-word reviews comments, and I completely agree mm. with that. If you're going to be a top four side, you have to rotate um, your squad very cleverly. So, I think that's the challenge for the uh, coaches this year. Absolutely, uh, and definitely good problems to have as well. Like you said, that rest and rotation coming off a World Cup year is, is going to be very important. Um, and obviously, John O'Ross, like you said, being injured, like adding a player of Mark Wilson's calibre to the team is certainly not going to do anything uh, to damage the club's fortunes in the coming season. Uh, interesting as well, apparently, Sale beat out uh, Harlequins for Wilson's services. Maybe that speaks to, to Alex's point about keeping him up north, but it is, from my perspective, a slight statement of intent that Wilson wants to, to join Sale, even though there are obviously geographical advantages. Um, and the other thing as well is it makes a lot more sense for Wilson to join for the entire season rather than just half the season. I thought that was a bit strange Then the rumours originally started that he might only be joining for the second half of the season, which doesn't necessarily make sense for Wilson and uh, Newcastle. Um, but obviously uh, he's joining for the entire season and then presumably will rejoin with Newcastle should they come back up to the Premiership. And he can play eight, which is handy given we've just lost one. 
you set me up really well for Josh Strauss. Unfortunately, it's actually James Phillips next that we're going to talk about because rounding uh, off that ve- <laughs> well, rounding off that very busy day at the beginning of July was the news that James Phillips had extended his contract with Sale until the end of the 2021 season. Uh, James, uh, only a little bit of housekeeping news this one compared to some of the news that happened earlier that day, but definitely a well-deserved extension, don't you think? Massively, you know, we talked about it in the in the season review, but I mean, he made me look like a complete plonker, really. I mean, he was excellent. You know, one of the first names on the team sheet really helped our rolling more, both defensive uh, and attacking walls. Um, you know, good. Same with our scrum, really helped lock that down. The amount of carrying he got through was superb, and once he got himself fit, he really was a force to be reckoned with. You know, by the looks of some of the pictures from pre-season, you know, I think. Uh, uh, let's hope that the Prem Cup fixtures can get him fit again. You know, because before uh, Diaga gets here, he's going to be first choice and locking down that scrum again. So, um, you know, it's great news for Sale to, uh, to extend this contract. He's going to be an essential uh, squad member for you know the next few years. Yeah, can I point out that the amount of grief I got saying they get relegated after Northampton game <laughs> was far, far more than James got for his James Phillips calls early on in the season, and you know, I. I just, I want people to think about that when they tweet. Well, I did say that he was breathing out of his arse. <laughs> he really was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he really, really, really was. But, yeah, well, I did also we, also, we also said really that, you know, he did. He had been a bit of a journeyman in the sense that he'd sort of been around a few clubs and hadn't really put his stamp at the very top of the game. You know, he'd sort of covered a few positions. Uh, he'd had one very famous run for Bath and that had been pretty much the only stamp he'd put on the very highest level of the game. But for sale, he's been one of those the old-fashioned, old-school diamond-type signings, where he picks them out really from being average and makes them part, you know, first choice of a competitive side, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, it's the, it's the John Mills, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's very similar sort of, both in terms of position, but also style of player, and and you know, just sort of that no nonsense, like almost not quite professional but obviously much better than amateur do you know about sort of harking back a little bit to the old days and I, I, I really like it I think the extension as I completely agree is fully deserved and I think important as well because you know we're looking to stock up ourselves to make ourselves a top four top two team or whatever he is the sort of player who you know when you're playing um, six, in the Six Nations period he is, he is a Here's a level where you would be happy to have him starting rather than you going to your kids and mm. having him, that kind of thing, which we've done for so long. So, yeah, I think the extensions, as, as I say, completely deserved, but also really, really good news for sale and justified based on his performances this season, where he's probably one of our best players um, in the last season. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth a little bit there, Alex, just because I really wanted to point how important Phillips was to revitalise and sales rolling all this year and you know a big part of that was was getting um, Dorian West in um, but I think James Phillips had played a massive part in sort of bringing sales pack back up to you know back to uh, you know a competitive top six premiership level um, and I think it's definitely not going to go down as the flashiest signing um, but we've been talking for years about how important it is to have good quality squad depth um, throughout the team and, and as Alex said you know in these Six Nations periods when we don't have 
you know, Curry, Wilson, if we're losing players like Diaga uh, to rest periods, you need players who can, you know, not only perform at a premiership level, but do it across multiple positions. And we didn't really see that from Phillips in his first season necessarily because he wasn't asked to. But he's a really good depth player um, to keep him uh, involved with the squad. Uh, and obviously signing that one-year extension takes him through to the end of the 2020-2021 uh, season. And that's his age 33 season. So after that, then you can, you know, you've got a two-year window to, to groom a replacement player, even if it's just for depth purposes in the squad. So really, really good signing. Uh, he made 30 appearances in all competitions last season, which speaks to just how uh, important he ultimately proved to be to the team. And, and certainly a, a, a astute piece of business for keeping around for just one more season without, uh, without changing too much about the pack. Um, but those changes to sales pack for next season did continue with the news that Josh Strauss had also been released from his contract a year early to return to Super Rugby and the Bulls. Alex, uh, a surprise announcement to some extent, given that uh, it only became apparent uh, Strauss was leaving shortly before the official announcement. Uh, but is it one that you think makes sense in the context of the other moves that Sale made this summer? Yeah, completely, I think. Um, it, it was a surprise, but then also, once you heard it, you sort of went... Yeah, it does make sense, actually, doesn't it? Because I, I think Josh Strauss is a really good player. I just don't think we ever saw anywhere near his best um, at Sale. I think he played better for Scotland in games than he did for us um, during his time. And I don't think that's anything to do with, you know, I just, I, I don't know whether he struggled in our pack or, you know, whether he's more sort of suited to Scotland's style of play. I thought, you know, there were times when we saw glimmers of it, but we never really saw, you know, we, we give... We're saying that O'Connor never really changed a game. Strauss never changed a game for us. He, you know, took some carries in, but I think John O'Ross's carries were more important to us even when Strauss was on the field. So it's, I think he he goes with best wishes. I don't think we're losing a massive amount, and I think if anything, if you look at we brought Wilson and you can play eight, I think we're gaining a lot. And then we'll mm. come on to the other back row additions we've made. Who it then makes even more sense. Um, because of that, and you know, he's at the end of his career, um, well, he's ready to go back to South Africa, I think. It's another really good decision, and it, I think this one works even better for the club. You know, the, the O'Connor ones and Wilson ones work very well for those players and work with sales plans. I think this works brilliantly with sales plans and allows us to have a lot more flexibility across the back row and solve some of those, you know, well, you can't play Curry, Curry, Ross. I think with the balance we've got now, it's pretty much ideal. I think for me, I really like Strauss uh, as a rotation player. I liked him as a, as a very bulky carrier that we didn't necessarily have uh, elsewhere in the squad over, uh, over the last couple of seasons. But we're in kind of at the point now where salary cap space does become part of the equation. And I think for the money we'll have been paying Josh Strauss, it probably doesn't make sense to have him as a spot starter or a rotational option that you play in sort of favourable weather conditions. I also think as well, and we saw this at the end of last season, Strauss started to miss out on game time because Curry Curry Ross was a back row that suited our playing style a little bit better, a little bit more quicker ball, uh, slightly better dis- distributing. There wasn't necessarily a space, I don't think, for Strauss's sort of more bulk carrying, uh, given how... Sale want to sort of set up and play it, and I think you know we'll come on to the Dupreeers uh, in a little bit. Um, but obviously, that sort of style of play is a little bit more 
in line with the other players that Sale have around us and the pace of the game that we'd like to play. And obviously, in Mark Wilson, you've signed a probably superior player uh, at a better point of his career, um, who, whilst quite similar to Strauss, again, it just has a little bit more to him in terms of um, like turnover ability and being a jackal, which Strauss never really had. Strauss is a very one-dimensional player for Sale. I really, really liked him, and I think, actually, if he'd been with someone like Exeter, uh, he could have been a, a Thomas Waldrum-type scorer in 12, 13 tries a season. Um, but you do look at how Sale are transitioning their squad, the type of players they're looking to bring in, and it did kind of feel, especially in that back row, that Strauss was maybe the odd man out, and it, you know having him released from his contract a year earlier certainly made sense. James? Yeah, I mean, actually the writing on the walls was, was at the beginning of the season when both Ross and Beaumont were preferred at eight, even when Strauss was fit at the beginning of the season and before he went off for the November internationals, and he didn't get called up in the initial Scotland squad, but then went off. He came back, he played some role in, you know, started some games in Europe and things, but he wasn't really the first choice eight for the majority of the season. So I think the the, the, the writing was on, on the wall then, and also I think it was the plan really for Strauss and Evans at the end of next season to be making making way to make room for the Dupree twins to be arriving permanently. Yeah. Well, actually, clearly the opportunity came up after their dad's been sacked to maybe get them here a little bit sooner and getting them here a bit sooner meant that we had to create room in the salary cap well Evans has signed on for an additional year and clearly we're overstocked in the back row but not so in the second row and therefore the clear the clear person that needed to make way uh, was Strauss so it was the, it was the only, only decision that could be made really um, and uh, yeah we've got plenty of cover at eight Wilson don't think we're going to see much of Beaumont but we know that he can do it we know Ross can give a shift at, at, uh, at eight and of course we've got the uh, Dupree twins. Perfect. I love it when the segues suit up with the podcast itinerary. So yeah, of course, Strauss's announced departure was followed almost immediately by the news that Dan and Jean-Luc Dupree had signed permanent contracts with the club with immediate effect. So obviously the twins had previously signed respective loan deals with sale for the coming season and the idea was for them to join permanently from the 2020-2021 season. However, that's obviously now been accelerated and they'll join on a permanent basis uh, and link up with the squad from August. So James, obviously fantastic news for the club and, and as we've just said, makes sense with the way the squad is uh, is trending. Any chance Rob Dupree Sr.'s departure from the Sharks in South Africa had anything to do with it? Absolutely. It's the same sort of situation as George Ford at Bath. Really, you know, your dad's been the head coach and has now been sacked. And I think that, you know, with their elder brother coming up to sale and probably saying some good things, and they know that's where they're going anyway, it just is it's, it's obvious, isn't it? I think it's difficult for them to motivate themselves to go through another Curry Cup, Super Rugby, and Curry mm. Cup campaign for a club where it's just sacked their dad and they know they're going to end up in England anyway. So, you know, I, I know that's different. It's like when you're applying for jobs, isn't it? You're sort of one foot outside of your current company. And mm. motivation to perform becomes more difficult um, each day, really. Um, so I think it's the same in professional rugby. So I think it's I think it's the sensible thing to do. I think that they're both clearly very talented and impressive physical specimens. We've also seen Jean-Luc. He was unfit for the whole of the Super Rugby campaign. Didn't really feature for the Sharks. So we don't know what state he's going to be in turning up for pre-season. But we know what he can do when he's fit. Um, his best position as I've said on this pod before is, is blindside 
but you know he did a great job for us at eight and can cover seven at the push as well. Dan Dupria is injured at the moment, but played pretty much every game of Super Rugby for the Sharks and was pretty much their best player for the whole season and um, would have been considered for the Springbok squad if he hadn't had this injury. It's still unclear and uncertain how bad this injury is because he was specifically mentioned in the Springbok press release that he hadn't been considered for the Rugby Championship squad because of injury. But, of course, they don't name their uh, World Cup squad for a few more weeks. Now, the sale announcement announced that they'd be there on the 1st of August. Well, I think the Springboks will probably take preference. Uh, but he's missing out on pushing for his, for his claim. That's the problem through the Rugby Championship. So I do think it's likely that Jean-Luc will be with us on the 1st of August. And I think it's very possible that Dan, Dan Dupree will be with us as well. His best position is eight and uh, can do a, do a job at blindside or four. Yeah, I think it's such an exciting side, and when you think about what Jean-Luc did to our sort of style of play last year, and, and especially, you know, coming off, having Beaumont at eight and still getting used to the position, and then, you know, Strauss and Ross, probably not really the style of play we wanted, the sort of things that Jean-Luc Dupri was able to do, and, you know, just the offloads, and, and that was in the middle of winter, so, you know, just wait until he's doing it on a dry track in you know, October or April or whenever whenever he, he plays so I think it's, it's just such an exciting signing um, for both of them I'm really excited to see Dan McPhee play I'll be honest I've never seen him play before but um, you know all three Dupreas I think are going to be a big part of the club and I, I, I think it is understandable that we've brought them over really but I think it also sort of shows that we're not just you know a club to come over for I think the the Getting Van Rensburg permanently has been a massive sort of statement of intent to other South African players and having De Klerk there as well, saying you can come over and do three months loan or whatever. But you see that I think John Leighton loved it while he was here. And I think we're really good at having that team spirit and getting players wanting to play for the club. And that's probably why they've come back. So um, I, this is just a purely exciting one for me. I'm, I'm so excited to see them on the rugby field because I think John Luke's massively talented. Dan is as well and they will be brilliant so. I think as well what's also worth mentioning is that we've talked a lot about how stacked sales back row for next season is but obviously there's some changes coming in the second row as well uh, but with Ludiaga not joining up with the club until after the World Cup if Dan Dupree doesn't make it then that's also a boost at that position to start the season and it doesn't necessarily have to be a case that he comes in and plays immediately 80 minutes immediately but just having that additional variety that depth uh, and that impact in multiple key positions across the entire squad rather than just necessarily the back row uh, will make a massive amount of, uh, of difference in helping sales get off to a positive start to the season and you know it's not necessarily clear where Dan will play for sale but I think given how loaded the back row is it's uh, an indicator that he's likely to to get a significant amount of game time alongside Diaga, Phillips, uh, Beaumont and Evans in uh, in sales second row which is also looking equally stacked so as it stands that's it for player news for the summer so far although there's obviously still plenty of time left in summer uh, so let's move on uh, uh, to matters off the field uh, and the Champions Cup Sale are obviously back in the competition for the 2019 20 season and in June we found out who will be playing at the pool stages so Sale will draw with Exeter, Glasgow and La Rochelle 
in a uh, pool that suggests some very tasty matchups. James, what was your initial reaction to the pool that Sale were, were drawn in for that first stage of the Champions Cup competition? One of excitement, really. What an, op- you know, what an opportunity to play against the best teams in Europe. And, you know, I think the qualifying for the Champions Cup, even if it was behind by the back door, I think what this brings commercially to the club and the opportunity to really spread our brand is, 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 is huge. And uh, also, we know the fans like an away trip to La Rochelle. So, you know, it's a well-trodden route now. OK, it wasn't perfect, but at least people know how to do it now. Uh, <laughs> so, hopefully, an opportunity to buy their tickets quite way more in advance than uh, was so for the semi-final of the Challenge Cup so no fantastic opportunity tough you know clearly rotating our squad through these really really big games is going to be very difficult and it's really going to test our depth Um, but that's what it's all about isn't it that's why we're spending up to the salary cap you know let's uh, try and win every game see where we get to at the end of the season just hope we stay in the top six um, for the Premiership and are competitive and do ourselves proud in the Champions Cup Alex do you think progression out of the pool is feasible for sale yeah completely when I look at that group I you know I think Exeter we have struggled to beat historically um, but I do think we're doing the right things and we're getting a lot closer to them every year in terms of quality as well as sort of you know just the odd result whenever we're playing them at home then not not had a great time in Europe so far um, and, you know, so law that will change this season, but you know we can hope. Glasgow, I think, is a really tough game, but an exciting one and one we shouldn't be afraid of. And we proved last season that La Rochelle, we played them in front of an absolute capacity crowd on you know the perfect sort of time of year and weather for them in terms of the style of rugby they play. We were away from home, we weren't in great form, and we still came within scoring a try in the last minute and beating them um, so you, you look at that group and go yeah it's a, it's a tough group but they're all tough groups in the Champions Cup and you don't go in the Champions Cup to play in play against rubbish teams I'd much rather have six guaranteed really good games than be playing you know Zebra away and, and sort of that Challenge Cup level of, or the weaker Champions Cup teams um, so I, I am so excited about it and I do think that on paper um, every team in that pool we should should beat at home and can beat away now that's the problem that extra away is a very hard trip I think La Rochelle away is you know with, you can't underestimate it and Glasgow away is going to be a hard trip but at home we should have more than enough in the locker and if we get a bit of momentum like we did this season in the Challenge Cup then we we have got the players to do it it's how we play you know we are we should not be afraid of anyone with our squad it's about how we play and, and whether we're in a good run of form at the time I think yeah and I think from my perspective at least it's really good to see us drawn in a group that I think is very fair and very evenly matched in the past couple of seasons Sale have made it into the Champions Cup but they have been in that that fourth uh, seeding pot uh, and we've had some very very difficult groups and obviously times have changed significantly for sale and we have a much stronger and much deeper squad now that would make those games a few years ago against Toulon or Saracens a lot more competitive but we've been drawn in a group where as you've both said you know La Rochelle we've got a comparable squad I think it's fair to say Glasgow we've certainly got a comparable squad and Exeter are a team that we're going to be chasing uh, in theory for a top four push this season so I think this should be a really, really exciting season in Europe for sale. The games mean a little bit more. The crowds will be bigger. 
and we've actually got a, a genuine chance of pro- progressing out of this pool stage. I think it's going to be very difficult and it's going to make for some very, very exciting and very close games. But insofar as you can have a uh, accessible group within the pool stage of the Champions Cup, I think for a team like Sale who are on the up but still very firmly in that sort of 1.5 secondary tier of Europe... This is a really good group where we can make a, a genuine statement of our intent to be uh, a genuine challenger for European honours. I, w- I would just I would just countenance that a little bit by saying that all three of those teams have been domestic champions in the last three years, and we, we've we've struggled to get in the top six of our league. So I do think this is going to be a significant step up, whilst also managing the squad through the Premiership. But anyway, I think that's a discussion and a debate for the pre-season review. I, I do think we can be competitive, but whether we can be competitive consistently, I think is is going to be really, really is real big challenge for us. Well, the good news is we've we've got the squad in theory to compete on two fronts for the coming season. And obviously, speaking of competing on a secondary front, we've got the Premiership rugby fixtures to discuss as well. James, uh, in addition to the Premiership fixtures, we've got the Premiership rugby cup as well. And I know that you're keen to to discuss both so I'm going to hand the floor over to you uh, to sort of say your piece especially about the Premiership Rugby Cup yeah well look you know it's a development competition isn't it but I think this year is going to be seen slightly differently because it's going to be used really as a warm up for the Premiership so I think we'll see plenty of rotation of squad but a mixture of seniors and juniors rather than just all out juniors this year so I think that'll be different Um, my view though on the Premiership Rugby Cup is going to be slightly negative uh, this time around. I know I've always been an advocate for developing young talent and professionals, but the fixtures are absolutely ridiculous. Um, we don't start until September the 21st for a start, so we've got a real extended pre-season for our professional players. Um, and then we they then have, in January, one semi-final on one weekend, another semi-final on the weekend after, and then the final on the weekend after that, Right. This is ridiculous because the Premiership then isn't finishing until like mid to end of June. This is absolute crazy. We're gonna have, I know they can manage game time over a whole um, thing, but it's mentally as well. Our players are going to be so mentally exhausted. They're already in pre-season. The, um, the World Cup stars won't have felt like they really ended a season and had a break at all. They're straight into World Cup training camps and then into a World Cup. And they're going to be playing in finals in mid-June. I mean, all this crap about player welfare, honestly, it's, the, it's an absolute disgrace. It's all down to TV money because they know they're not going to get a big crowd or a big number of people watching that final if it's taking place at the same time as the World Cup. But that is not the best for player welfare. Why don't we start the Premiership season when it always starts? Yeah, The first weekend in September, like the 7th of September. right? And then you can play two semi-finals on the same weekend and the final on the weekend after and then straight into the Premiership. The Premiership Rugby Cup is finished right before the start of the Premiership. Right, and before people come back from the from the World Cup, it's the way it, it's the way it should be. And then you could actually finish the season like five five weeks earlier. You could still finish in mid May. So I, I, I people don't seem to have picked this up, but I think it's uh, I think it's uh, a disgrace. Yeah, I, I agree with your idea, James. You know, play the knockout rounds in September with the the pool stage fixtures. Get it all finished by the end of September, then we don't have to think about it for another year. And we can just focus on the rugby that actually matters. 
Yeah, but it would be a good prequel. I mean, it would be interesting. We'd be excited for the start of the new season. It would be a competitive competition. And you know, it'll start and finish all in one month. I can't argue with any of this, by the way. You are speaking complete sense. I'm sure there'll be some dissenting voices somewhere, but um, yeah. I'm not Just... one of them. So I completely agree. I do think I, I think the whole Premiership Rugby Cup is, is not done well anyway. It's not sort of marketed at all well. It's... The clubs aren't interested. There's no unique selling point of it. It's just a weird knockout competition that no one understands the rules of until it gets to semi-finals. Do you know what I mean? Like I had no idea whether we were qualifying last year or not. And then we were putting out eighteen-year-olds, and then you know Worcester putting out first team and yeah. batting us. It's just it's there's no there needs to be some sort of rules to the squad you pick in that competition if it's going to be a development competition. Or it needs to be a proper cup competition where it's just loads of teams and, you know, equivalent to the FA Cup or the Challenge Cup in rugby. It's just a knockout in every round. Uh, yeah. You're right. It should, it should be something like 60% or 65% of the players need to be under 23. And then the rest, you can be bringing in players who have been injured or, or all the rest of it. Just to finish on the Premiership fixtures, I know we'll focus on this in the uh, season preview, but we've got a great opportunity to go unbeaten in the Premiership until mid-January. Just thought I'd put that out there. Second half of the season looks a lot more difficult, but the point is, if we have a bad start to the season like we've had the last two years, we could be really fucked this year. <laughs> so we really have to be ready to hit the ground running being of the year because we've got great opportunity with home and the, the get the people we're going away to are real opportunities to pick up wins we'll, we'll come on to the Premiership Rugby fixtures in a second just to finish on the uh, the Rugby Cup um, sort of competition I'm absolutely right under 23 was the sort of figure that I had in my mind um, I, and I, you know, I don't necessarily think it began as a development, de- developmental competition per se but obviously that's what it's become and that's how it's now marketed. It'd be very interesting to see if there's a way to change the competition so it's less about just blooding 17 and 18 year olds like a lot of teams do. Maybe make it more about the wider squad. Uh, and uh, Like you said Alex, I know we've talked about this a few times um, but obviously turn it into, into some sort of FA Cup competition where you have um, matches uh, against the second tier of competition as well with perhaps those same squad rules applied to just the Premiership teams. There's, you know, that's part of a wider discussion we could have, and there is definitely a way for uh, Premiership Rugby to grow the game, into, uh, grow the competition uh, into something a little bit more meaningful. But just on the Premiership Rugby fixtures, James, uh, I'll confess I've not heard this opinion expressed just yet. So, do you want to tell us why we can feasibly expect to go unbeaten until mid-January? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I will. So, uh, hang on. Just on the Ultimate Rugby app, those people who don't have that, it's pretty good. Think about getting it. So, uh, first uh, first game is Gloucester at home. We should we should win that. Then we've got Irish away. We should win that. Then we've got Bristol away. It's a chance at least some points. Um, then we're at home against Wasps. We should be aiming to win all of our home games. Away at Worcester. Home to Northampton. Away at Bath. Home against Harlequins. Right. That's the 3rd of January. Our next game after that is the 25th of January away at Exeter. So I think we've got... There's just no reason why we shouldn't be able to win all of those games. I mean, I wish I was as confident as you saying, yeah, no, you know, we, we wins against Gloucester, yeah, no bother. Saying, let's, let's go and beat until January. Let's, let's hit the ground running this season, no pissing about. We need to, you know, take advantage of the start of the season that we've got. Let's use the Premiership Cup to get fit. So we're not unfit like we were last year, and 
and start picking up wins early, put other teams under pressure to start performing and turning the season around halfway through. Because uh, actually, once we hit Exeter, we've got a really rocky period mm. um, until about the end of March, really, Six Nations time, where uh, we've got some really tough fixtures. I agree absolutely on, on the mindset. And I think we've talked about the changes that have happened to the squad this year. And you look around and how many teams, you know, on paper or in practice, you know, definitively have better squads than us. You know, Exeter, Saracens, there's maybe an argument for Gloucester, but there's uh, there's, there's not many teams left. And when you sort of categorise that thinking and apply it to the, the opening run of fixtures, I think, you know, Gloucester at home, Bristol away are going to be some very tough games. But like you said, James, there's no reason why we shouldn't be prioritising those games as, as winnable, especially given the depth in, in the squad that we've uh, added over the summer. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I mean, I'm realistic. It's not, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to, pick, you know, keep high performance up for quite that length of time. And away games are difficult anyway. You go, anyway, you go. I think, as my point is, men- mentally, that's what we should be doing. You know, we should be really targeting those games um, and uh, expecting to win them all. That's that's the mindset of a of a top four club. Alex, do you have any uh, thoughts on the Premiership rugby fixtures? Just win them all, I reckon. Um, should be should be about no I, I I completely agree I think I would be disappointed to lose now James has said it I'd be disappointed to lose any of those games we win and that is the nature of being a sale fan um, but at the same time I think we should we've we've got such a good squad going into this season if we get firing I really want to see us just you know get some I'd love to see us start winning away that's the thing because we've always been able to win at home and I think we've shown that. But winning away has been our burden for many, many years. So if we can start off against having, you know, Irish and Bristol away first up, we've got to get, we've got to go, we've got to get ourselves away from the bottom of the table where we've always been at the start of the season, get ourselves into the top, and then we always get better as the season goes on. You know, that's how we've avoided relegation in the past. So um, I think it it works well for us, but you know. I think it's going to be another season in the Premiership if anyone can beat anyone. So we've got to be on our game from mm. from the word go. So let's hope we are, and let's hope this sort of long pre-season gives us a, a real good sort of run into it and hit the ground running against Foster first prem game of the season. Absolutely right. Any other business to cover off as part of our summer podcast? Two quick things from me. Uh, great to see Vafter Clerk and Lou Diaga uh, in the Springbok squad for the Rugby Championship. Uh, and great to see some of the pictures of Tom Curry and Mark Wilson training with the England squad as well. Always good to see cell players getting a uh, international recognition, especially at that tier one level. And just on that, um, in terms of international recognition, um, the other way around. But obviously, I don't think we uh, we met when Ashton dropped out the England no. squad. Um, so that's probably another slightly a very positive piece of news for the clubs. Sad for Ashton, but um, I think he's made it for personal reasons and the right reasons to make it for but we talked last season about how we didn't really see any of him this is his season and I think that could be if he gets going early on mm. that could be a really big part of our fast starts to the season so that's quite exciting from a purely selfish sort of sale point of view but it's not like you know it's, it's some woeful misfortune he's made it he's made his own decision he's clearly happy with it so um, let's see what he can do yeah and what, what it means is we don't have to rush Marlon Yard back. I know he's been fit, fit for a while, but you know after the injuries had coming back into match play, it's going to be quite difficult. We can ease him off the bench and start the season with a back three of Ashton, Hammersley, and Solomona, which 
you know, during the World Cup is going to be as good as anybody else can put out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Ashton pulled out the England um, preliminary squad um, due to his wife being pregnant with their second child, I believe it is. Um, and obviously he took the decision um, to, to uh, as he didn't want to spend too significant a period of time away from her uh, whilst they're expecting a, a, another child together. Um, so completely understandable. Obviously, as Alex said, great news uh, for sale. Um, I think it does raise an interesting question about how he came back from France to uh, put his name in contention for England with a view to that 2019 World Cup. Interesting to see what happens with him after this season, if that's no longer a possibility. Um, but obviously, you know, all, all the best to, to Chris and his wife. And, you know, you can't, again, you can't fault him for, for making that decision and it should bode very well for the start of sales season. James, was there anything from you? No, that's it for me. Just, uh, you know, I'm not sure if we'll have the opportunity to come back together, but very much looking forward to the season preview. Absolutely. So, from our side, we've got a couple of uh, a couple of ideas in the pipeline that we just need to get our heads together on and see how feasible they are for the rest of summer. Um, a couple of little bits of business from me, however, um, we're putting together a listener survey uh, for the first time. Um, shouldn't be anything too comprehensive or taxing, but we really want to get your opinions on everything about the podcast, um, just potential opportunities we have to grow it, um, some interesting and exciting ideas we've got, and we'd like some honest feedback on it, uh, and just learning a little bit more about how you consume the podcast and how it fits into your, to your weekly routine. Um, so that's something that we're working on at the moment, and we're looking to get live in the next uh, week or so, uh, and obviously uh, we appreciate any and all feedback we get on that. If you haven't heard it yet, uh, the three of us got together for the first time in podcast history, to, la- to produce a live podcast for the 2018-19 season review. We're not going to lie, it did go for about three hours, so we had to split it into two parts, but it is available now on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you're uh, missing not only ourselves, but Sail Sharks Rugby as a whole, really good one to get into. Uh, and obviously, as James said, we'll be getting together uh, for a season review, uh, sorry, season preview um, at the beginning of September. So I think that's everything for me. Uh, anything else from you guys? No, just looking forward to the season preview and rugby being back and rugby coming home at the World Cup. Yeah, countdown to the Rugby World Cup. That's really where the focus is. Thanks, everybody. We'll speak to you sometime again in summer. <laughs> <laughs>